So we're uh, beginning in a scripture that uh, is incredibly um, well known to uh, most Christians. And uh, it was um, uh, in Matthew 22, you can see it on the screen. Uh, the Lord was asked, you know, what are the great commandments? And so Jesus says to them, and you can read it there, you shall love the Lord your God. And then he actually breaks it down uh, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And uh, Pastor David was making a comment about, um, you know, uh, we have to give our all uh, to God. And uh, this is identifying, you know, uh, there's various aspects to us. And uh, we've got to uh, uh, give all of that over. So uh, you've got that uh, passionate uh, side. You've got that uh, part where uh, uh, you've got the head uh, space and uh, also uh, the soul. And uh, so uh, that uh, was identified as the, uh, the first and great commandment. And then the second one, it says, you shall love your neighbour as yourself. And uh, so uh, we're going to uh, have a look a, a little bit about uh, how we uh, love ourself. And then in regards to that, it uh, should give us a little bit of insight into how we deal with our neighbour. Now, our neighbour happens to be uh, our husband or our wife or our kids or our grandkids, aunties, uh, the people that live next door, the people you work with, you know, so... It's really about those other people that uh, uh, you impact with and it's telling us that uh, we need to be able to impact with them uh, in love in the same way that we love ourselves. And uh, so I was wanting to um, have a look at uh, that aspect of uh, how do we love ourselves. So I'm going to uh, give uh, the answer right at uh, the beginning and so you've got to remember the answer. So uh, the answer here is 1 John 1 verse 9. So you don't have to uh, uh, wait till the end of uh, this talk. Here we are. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all righteousness. So we've got a uh, relationship that uh, we are able to have with God. And if we're able to put one John into uh, action, then you know, we're actually able to uh, believe that we're forgiven and we're able to get on with life and we're able to uh, do those things that uh, God would like us to do. So believing that we are forgiven is a uh, strong aspect of how we love ourselves. You know, being able to live with ourselves is effectively what that is is all about. How can we live with ourselves? Well, uh, we all uh, make mistakes and uh, they uh, sit with us. But if we're able to deal with them effectively, then the way that we live with ourselves is, is very much different. So here is the answer. If we confess our sins here, he is faithful, Jesus is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us all from us from all unrighteousness. So 1 John 1, can we remember that one? So if we've got uh, Philippians uh, 3, it uh, tells us if um, we're able to uh, live in this particular state, then we're able to leave those things that are behind us 
and we're able to uh, just uh, move onwards. So it says here that, uh, you know, when this is Paul saying, you know, uh, I'm not uh, trying to say that I've already made it into heaven, etc., etc. I understand all that. Uh, but he also understands that he is um, someone who uh, the Lord has had to deal with his sins. And so he says, I'm able to forget those things which are behind me. And then I'm able to reach forward to those things that are ahead. So his state of mind is that he's not going to live in the past. God has dealt with those things. He's actually going to reach, reach forward. And so 1 John 1, we have Philippians and then Colossians. Colossians is telling us that, uh, you know, uh, we can actually look forward to, to the prize that the Lord has uh, set before us. You know, so I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. So there we've actually got uh, three scriptures, 1 John 1, Philippians and Colossians, that give us a, uh, uh, an idea of where our head is entitled to be. You're able to just simply look forward to those things that God has uh, uh, got be- uh, ahead of you. So how do we actually do that? So if we do make a mistake, and I've got it as falling down, so if we can call it sin, if uh, whatever you want to uh, refer to it as, failures, errors, omissions. So I've got to, if we fall down, we know that that's part of life. So sin is there. Getting back up and confessing our mistakes is living as Christ wants us to be. So there we are. We've fallen down, we've uh, done something. So how do we actually deal with uh, these uh, failures? And I've got uh, clear there's uh, two ways that we can uh, look at this. You know, we're falling down and uh, getting back up, you know, uh, can be part of something where we're learning from or it can be the undertaker. Teacher or undertaker, how do you want to uh, deal with uh, your uh, failures? your mistakes, your sins. So we're going to have a look at uh, some of the ways that uh, uh, many of us actually deal with failures. So the first one is I ignore them until I can't ignore them any longer. Now, uh, so they know they've done something wrong. They know that they should do something about it, but they just... Don't do anything about it. But eventually something happens in their life and they actually have to deal with it. You know, so these are people who, and I've got here, you know, uh, it's procrastinating, isn't it? Uh, and and uh, a lot of us have uh, some of that aspect of uh, how we live. Uh, we can be great procrastinators. But uh, it uh, delays the uh, bringing of uh, God's blessing and uh, those things, how God would want us to be uh, interacting uh, with him, how God would want us to be looking at our future, how God would wanting us to uh, uh, believe and expect that, uh, you know, well, there is a prize waiting for us. But there we are, we've got this uh, failure sitting in the back of our head and uh, so until something dramatic happens, 
we don't even deal with it. So I've got a couple of uh, little uh, scriptures and they're both out of Proverbs and you can see them there. These are my reading notes, but I like to put them up on the screen. I'm not giving you a slide presentation. I'm letting you look at my reading notes. So Proverbs 13.4, and uh, when I do pre-marriage counselling, I use this scripture a lot for lots of different reasons. But it's giving us an aspect of um, there are people that uh, desire things, but uh, they, they don't do anything about it. But it tells us that the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. You know, well, so there is blessings if we actually go and do something. In Proverbs 12:24 is probably a bit more um, telling. And it says, you know, the hand of the diligent shall be like a ruler. So if you're actually diligent, then you will be in control. You know, you'll be bringing God into uh, things. You'll be doing whole ranges of things. So if you're diligent, then you're in control of the situation. But if uh, you're the procrastinator, if you're uh, someone who... Uh, is uh, can be a little bit uh, lazy or, or whatever. If you're that uh, type of a person, then someone else or other situations will always be in control of you. So we've heard that you can be a slave to sin. You know, uh, there's various uh, uh, scriptures that uh, tell us that uh, you know uh, uh, that uh, if we don't deal with sin, then uh, sin will start dealing with you. And uh, so here it is, it's telling us, you be in control, otherwise someone or some other situation will actually be in control of you. Okay, a little bit like a slave. So there's the, um, the first situation. So uh, then we've got uh, at the other end of the spectrum, those people that relive their uh, sins or re relive their mistakes over and over and over. You know, uh, I remember them all. I know all my failures. I've, I'm confessing them over and over. You know, uh, that uh, type of nature. So here I'm uh, wanting us to uh, remind uh, those people that have that uh, way of uh, dealing with uh, their, their failures to uh, be able to just look around and uh, have a look and uh, every one of us here has sinned, has fallen short of the glory of God. You know, uh, that there is no one that is any different to uh, others around them, that uh, all of us have had to deal with uh, failure and uh, most of us are able to deal with it and get on with uh with uh, living the way that the Lord would want us to live. So reminding uh, uh, them that uh, they are no different to anyone else. And then in Hebrews 8, this is uh, giving us a little bit of an insight into uh, the nature of God. And uh, this is the area in Hebrews where it talks about, you know, uh, that he's going to make a covenant or a contract with his people and he's, <coughs> excuse me, going to put his laws into their hearts, you know, so there's going to be this whole change that's going to happen on the inside. And uh, he tells us that uh, in dealing with uh, these uh, people, you know, uh, his uh, set-apart people, he says, I'm going to be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. 
so that was um, uh, we read uh, that uh, uh, position that uh, we didn't have to be living in the uh, the mire of our mistakes. We're actually able to move forward. You know, Paul uh, didn't uh, look at those things that are behind, but he uh, uh, pressed forward, and uh, we're able to uh, understand that uh, our God is not sitting there keeping a record of our mistakes. So there are some people that have got a better memory of their mistakes than God. God's not interested. God wants you to move forward. I've uh, been merciful to you. You know, where your sins and your iniquities, I'm not interested in. I'll remember them no no more. But uh, others uh, uh, love to uh, remember. So here this is... um, The second example. The third example is, I just believe Jesus loves me. You know, these are the uh, those that uh, simply want to cruise through life. They know that uh, there's uh, things that uh, are in their life. You know, uh, things that uh, should be should be dealt with, but uh, they just believe that Jesus loves me. And I'm not really sure what confessing really means anyway. You know, and uh, so here in my uh, reading notes, we've got, um, we're actually able to grow in wisdom if we actually take on failure, if we actually recognise it, you know, and uh, understand that uh, if we're going to tackle it, then uh, God is actually going to be part of that tackling process. We don't have to have all the answers. We don't have to uh, know uh, how to deal with every uh, aspect of life. But we need to have a go at uh, taking it on and then let God start working with us. And uh, so uh, one of the uh, examples we've got in Scripture of uh, somebody that uh, failed uh, over and over is uh, the psalmist David. And so David... You know, uh, he got to a position, you know, uh, where he was able to, to, to say that the Lord helps the fallen and lifts those bent beneath their loads. You know, so uh, David, you know, we know uh, had done some terrible things. You know, uh, he had somebody killed, you know, he committed adultery, etc., etc. You know, uh, some, some big items if we were trying to categorise sin. We shouldn't be doing that, but uh, within David's life, you know, there were things that could um, uh, bring somebody down. But David had a relationship with God and he understood that God was willing to deal with him, you know, uh, if he uh, uh, confessed them. I want to give a little example of um, how we do uh, confess. And uh, so sometimes our failings, by the way, simply um, uh, we, we have given in to temptation and uh, we've done something that we shouldn't, we know that we shouldn't uh, do it and uh, sometimes it's just simply recognising that we've done that and, and talking to the Lord about that, putting prayer before the Lord, you know, uh, being reminded uh, through our scriptures. But a lot of the time there's actually more to the uh, failing than uh, just simply, you know, uh, going through it in our head and uh, recognising, Lord, I shouldn't be doing uh, those things. 
So I'm uh, going to give you a little example, and uh, most of you know I'm an accountant, so I'm going to use a little accountant's example. <coughs> I didn't want to get into moral issues or whatever. It's easier if I deal with uh, something that I deal with uh, most days. So let's, let's uh, say that I've failed in something, and so now I have to learn. So I've got here, I've failed in paying my rent on time. So, you know, uh, and we might have done it several times. So if we're actually going to recognise that we've actually done something wrong, so you could put some other sin there. I'm just using rent, okay? Uh, not a very big issue, but it, it illustrates the point. We recognise that we've actually done something wrong. So if we're actually confessing, then we actually go through a little process. You know, uh, what am I actually learning from that uh, failure? You know, do I just allow me to uh, uh, forget to pay the rent on time next time and then the, the time after and the time after? So we actually get to a position where I have learned to change something, in this case a bad habit. And so for this one, I've uh, put money for the bills aside first. I know that uh, the middle of the month the rent comes and so I make sure that uh, when I'm paid I'm actually going to put some uh, money aside. So we've actually changed uh, something that we're doing. But we're also able to, uh, during that period of time, you know, where the Spirit you know, ministers to us and so we actually are able to see other aspects to this. And uh, so we can also say, and I'm also learning to properly and effectively manage my time. You know, well, I should be doing uh, things in another way, my talents and my resources, so that I can actually earn more money. You know, well, the reason why I'm not paying my rent on time is there's not enough money coming into the house. So, uh, you know, the spirit will uh, minister and we would actually see a bigger picture. So I know it's a, a silly accountant example, but what I'm wanting to us uh, to illustrate is, you know, when we say that we've confessed our uh, failings and we're dealing with our failings, then there's actually should be a little process. You know, if it's not something that we just have to say, Lord, I've um, given in to temptation again or whatever, you know, uh, if it's something more than that, then take the time to give the Lord the opportunity to go through a little process and give the opportunity for uh, the Spirit to minister and so that we actually grow. So hopefully that gives us a little bit of an idea that uh, confessing is about tackling a failure. It's about doing something with it and uh, being able to learn from our mistakes. So yes, Jesus just does love me, but uh, God would love us to learn from our mistakes. A good other way of dealing with um, failure is simply by passing the buck. And this is a good one, isn't it? You know, uh, where uh, if there's an issue that's happening in our life, it's uh, somebody else's. Uh, the reason is, is because someone else is uh, not doing something right. Or something else, someone else has done something for me. Or if only somebody else would uh, change what they're doing, then blah, 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 you know, passing the buck. And when we're learning, by the way, to uh, love ourselves, you know, uh, have a little um, idea of, you know, it also is uh, how we love our neighbours as, as ourselves. 
Now, uh, this is also giving us a little bit of an insight into if we deal with failure correctly, then learn to appreciate um, how you deal with uh, your neighbour. Okay, so learning from failure comes by owning up to our responsibilities and not simply passing the buck. So confessing begins by learning to look inwards. Now, others can be part of the problem. You know, uh, let's, let's understand, you know, we're uh, husbands and wives, mums and dads and whatever else, you know, and we are neighbours to our neighbour. So there are others that are involved in our life. But uh, we begin by looking at ourselves and dealing with the issues that we're able to uh, deal with. And if there are others that are involved, then we need to uh, learn to deal with them in love. And uh, the first thing about that is uh, not judging and learning to encourage. So there's four ways. The fifth way is the way hopefully God gets us to. You know, and uh, so that's where we uh, understand that when something happens in our life, then we actually start putting it before the Lord, start looking at how we need to deal with it. If we need to get advice, go and get some advice. You know, uh, it tells us in Scripture the older women are teaching the younger women. You know, we've got a structure within the church. If you need to bring it to oversight's attention, bring it to the oversight. Or if you know somebody's had that failing before, go and talk to them and see how they uh, uh, dealt with it. But... Uh, We actually deal with it and then we get on seeking to live a Christian life. And I've got uh, Jeremiah 17 here because um, the men have an engine room, a little app that we get each uh, week. And uh, (coughs) excuse me, last week um, uh, Paul Wright uh, was using this scripture and and it uh, jumped out at me and, and I liked it. So here is uh, making a little, simply a contrast, and I've uh, uh, stepped them out. You've got the first one is, you know, uh, cursed is a man who trusts in man. So this is uh, where people want to simply deal with um, uh, their own wisdom and uh, deal with it themselves, you know, uh, so they don't have to confess this matter before uh, the Lord, you know, uh, and in here it tells us that... uh, if you're going to trust in uh, yourself, if you're going to trust in um, mankind, then it's a bit like being in uh, parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land which is not inhabited. So, you know, where paints a big picture of if you're going to uh, trust in yourself, not a good position to be in. But if you're trusting in the Lord, and so this is where we actually confess and bring the Lord into our situation then it uh, paints a a very uh, different picture. And it reminds us that the heart is deceitful above all things. You know, if we're going to trust in ourselves, then uh, have a look at uh, really the the nature that uh, uh, can exist within us. And then the final one in verse 10, I, the Lord, search the heart, I test the mind, so are the heart and the mind, even to give every man according to his way. So the Lord 
know, uh, looks at uh, our whole uh, nature. And if we start tackling those things, then he's able to do something. So according to the fruit of his doings. So here, I am the Lord, I search your heart. You know, you bring this matter before me and uh, start dealing with it, then I'm actually able to bring fruit into that situation. I'm actually able to change uh, circumstances. So having read uh, that one in Jeremiah, uh, I provide just some little um, commentary into uh, the story of Cain. And uh, I want us uh, to open our Bible in uh, Genesis chapter 4. We're going to have a look at it. The reason I'm asking if you've got your Bible there because I'd like you to uh, mark uh, the verse so that uh, you're reminded of uh, these things. So uh, if we want to get a little bit of insight into who is uh, this Cain, I'm sure we all remember the story, you know, uh, because they were... um, Adam and Eve had uh, two uh, boys, Cain and Abel, and we all remember that uh, Cain went off and uh, eventually kills his um, brother. But let's have a bit of a think about uh, Cain first of all. So uh, Cain grew up in a family where his mum and dad had a personal relationship with God. So there is no question at all that whether God existed. You know how um, people can go through, you know, is there really a God or whatever. There wouldn't have been any argument in that household whether there was a God. Cain knew there was a God. He also would have known, just through dealing with his uh, mum and dad, he would have known about the love of God. He would have known about the wisdom of God. He would have known about the the standards of God. You know, uh, he would have known about the nature of God. Now, we're part of the New Testament uh, uh, story of, our, of the Bible and uh, God has had to go and um, uh, prove that uh, God actually exists through the infilling of the Holy Spirit. We heard in the testimonies they spoke in other tongues. You know, so we've actually had to go through a, uh, an experience and then the Holy Spirit starts ministering to our heart. You know, uh, we're, not, uh, we're not people who had a mum and a dad who actually grew up with God, you know, and was having a personal relationship with God. But God puts us into uh, this uh, same relationship that uh, Cain and Abel had, you know, through the infilling of the Holy Spirit and then the Spirit ministering to us. But Cain was in a family where that that had occurred. And so we uh, know that they actually had a relationship with uh, God. And uh, if you were reading... Um, Verse uh, 3, it just uses in the process of time. It uh, would indicate that uh, Cain and Abel, uh, it was a normal thing for them to offer sacrifices uh, to God. You know, so they weren't allowed to ignore the fact that God was around. You know, there was uh, things that were happening in the household where they recognised that uh, there was God and they needed to uh, identify and acknowledge God. But uh, Cain, he uh, gets picked up one day by God. So Cain is actually directly uh, chipped by God. We don't know how uh, that uh, happens other than uh, it was obviously a very clear thing because uh, Cain reacts very badly. You know, so uh, God says, you know, uh, look, I'm happy with uh, Abel's offering, 
But uh, Cain, you know, uh, your head, your heart, whatever, you know, is, is not in this offering. Why are you bringing this offering to me? And so Cain gets really angry. Like he's, he's dug some veggies up out of the garden or whatever and he's slapped them on somewhere and uh, offered them to God. And God's not happy. Whoa! So he, he reacts and he reacts very badly. And uh, so it talks about uh, his, uh, uh, he was angry and his countenance was fallen, I've got written there. And uh, so then God comes back to him. And this is, you know, uh, the, in our case, it's the ministering of the Holy Spirit. You know, we, we are prompted always. We're, we're uh, reminded if we've had a failing, you know, uh, through the Holy Spirit, we'll be reminded that there's something that we need to deal with. So in Cain's case, he actually, it's God dealing directly with him, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, why are you angry? Why is your countenance fallen? And then he gives us this wonderful little insight. So this is from uh, God, and so we're in Genesis 4, verse 7. And he says, if you do well, then shall not, won't it be accepted? But if they don't do not well, then sin, we can change that into temptations or whatever we want to put. But if we don't do well, then sin lies at the door. So it's actually making a comment about sin is waiting there. And I use the example, it's like a lion crouching, waiting. And unto thee shall be his desire. So it gives us an idea that sin is not passive, that sin is active. So you've got this illustration of, you know, uh, so you've done something wrong. So you've got to understand that it's lying at the door like a crouching lion, ready, you know. Its desire is there. So if we think about uh, temptation and then not dealing with temptation, then what happens the next day? And then what happens the day after? If we uh, do something wrong, what happens if we don't deal with it? What's happening the day after? So sin can uh, bring a whole range of issues into our life. It can change the whole way of our, our nature. And so God is telling us here, right at the beginning, where our first uh, example with um, after Adam and Eve, we've got uh, God dealing with uh, Cain. Understand that uh, it's lying there, and it shall be your desire. But he tells us, and thou shalt rule over him. We need to do something about it. We can't ignore failures. We can't ignore temptations. We can't ignore sin. That's what this scripture is saying. Understand that it's going to be there, so deal, deal with it. You must master it. You must rule over it is uh, how you could actually add uh, to those uh, scriptures. So uh, we know the, the story. Does Cain take heed of uh, the advice that uh, God has given him? The answer is no. Cain ignores the advice and so it does grab him and Cain actually kills his brother Abel and then God starts to deal with him again. And uh, so Cain realises now that uh, the consequences of his failure are with him. How am I actually going to deal with this? And he talks about, uh, you know, uh, 
You've now driven me from your from the face of the ground, and I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on on the earth. And uh, someone, you know, they'll someone will probably try and avenge the blood of my brother. So God has to deal with him, and it talks about uh, the mark of uh, Cain. But what um, Cain is talking about when he says, "I'll be a fugitive and a vagabond." It's actually talking about the consequences that come with the issue of sin. Now, Cain, by the way, doesn't go on and be a fugitive and a vagabond in his personal life. You know, while they go on, him and his uh, offspring, they actually go and build cities. And uh, from uh, the scripture, the um, the descendants of uh, Cain are those people that uh, bring in uh, the things to do with... Uh, uh, blacksmithing and uh, metallurgy and those types of things. You know, well, they weren't failures. They weren't failures. You know, they, they built cities, etc. So, but what was Cain uh, talking about there? You know, we're in this issue of um, being a fugitive and a, and a vagabond. He's actually talking about how uh, he would be dealing with uh, life. And uh, so... By not dealing with it, he's talking about, you know, his life was going to be restless. It was going to be unstable. You know, there was going to be anxiety in it. There was actually going to be turmoil. So even though he's building cities and uh, they're uh, getting on with um, learning how to uh, put copper with um, tin, etc., you know, uh, that was where he was sitting in his head. So uh, it's a uh, cautionary tale of uh, if we don't, uh, deal and tackle with uh, tackle sin, and the final uh, scripture is you know in Jeremiah, it tells us you know uh, the uh, people there were getting bad advice, and so uh, the God directly talks to Jeremiah, and he says to him, Jeremiah, say to the people, this is what the Lord says: when people fall down, don't they get up again? When they discover they're on the wrong road. Don't they turn back? And uh, so God is uh, trying to identify. It's a very simple thing. You know, when we're talking about confessing our sins, we're not talking about, you know, uh, going off to uh, some confessional or uh, killing a whole pile of uh, animals and offering them on a thing. He's saying, God's saying, get on with life. Tackle the issue. If you're on the wrong road, Go and turn and go turn back and get onto the to the right road. Life can be complicated or life can be simple. God is not trying to complicate our life. God is actually trying to simplify our life. If we allow sin to uh, be part of our life, we're complicating life. We're relying on the nature of man. God wants us to uh, have a simple life, and so these scriptures are very simple. And that is what uh, the uh, scripture in 1 John 1 is actually simply trying to tell us. Proverbs 24, 16, The godly may trip seven times, but they'll get up again. But uh, one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked, those people that are relying on themselves. Amen?